All right, guys, got a pretty cool podcast for you all. Um, this is one one I haven't done before. This is the first. Josh has done a few podcasts over the phone, I guess. We did this one through Skype, um, but we didn't record or anything. You know, you're just listening to the audio. But this is the first time um, I've done that, so it'll be something new. Um, and I think it went smooth. It sounded smooth, so we just recorded it. But before we get into the podcast, I would like to remind you all to – if you sign up for HuntWise, which is the scouting app we use, we use it for, it's got 3D imagery, we drop pins, we use it for all things hunting, and like I talked about before, there's a gear section where there's literally like 50% off companies like Stealth Cam. So let's say you go buy a few trail cameras, um, you could end up saving money by signing up for HuntWise. So there is a ton of different companies on there. Like I said, Wild Game Innovations, Bur- Burris Optics, uh, Buck Bourbon, um, Birchwood Casey is 50% off. Big game. So the big game tree stands and all that stuff, 40% off. Um, there is just a ridiculous amount of discounts on here. So Hawk Hunting, you know, they got all kinds of different stuff. They've got 40% off as well. Uh, Hex, if you like one of those invisible camo suits or whatever they got. Uh, oh, heck, yeah, Mountain Ops is 30% off too. So anyways, if you sign up, make sure to use the code UNTAMED20 untamed 20 not the untamed just untamed 20 and you'll save yourself 20 percent and we do get a small kickback from that which we appreciate you all signing up and using our code um because yeah it helps us fund what we do here and buy podcast equipment camera equipment and pay for our interns uh housing so we uh we really appreciate y'all for listening and uh there's going to be a video for this podcast so i'm uploading this podcast probably tonight um, it's 10:30 now. We just finished up the podcast. I'm gonna upload it, so it'll be there if you're listening. If you're driving to work on your Thursday morning, working out, going for a run, whatever it is you're doing, uh, like I said, we appreciate you listening. So let's get into this podcast. It's a uh, it's a cool one, and I uh, think y'all enjoy it. <laughs> All right. So uh, I mean, basically, it's just super chill, just like we'd be talking like normal. Actually, when we were hunting, I was writing down like a list of questions of stuff uh, in my notes on my phone because, uh, you know, just questions that I thought, well, you know, that would be interesting to talk about. So I guess we'll start off with uh, who you all are and uh, tell me just a little bit about yourself. All right. Go ahead, Ashley. (laughs) Put the the pressure on it right off the bat. Yep. Ladies first, though. Okay. Um... My name is Ashley. I, um, Justin and I have been dating almost three years now, and um, I love to hunt, have to hunt since I've been, so I've been really little. Um, I'm not really into fishing all that much, but hunting is definitely number one up there. I didn't really hog hunt much before Justin and I dated. Um, I went a few times with friends, but we didn't ever catch anything. They didn't have very good dogs, though. So Justin and I have been able to acquire dogs throughout our three years that have meant a lot to us and um, got to raise some of our own. And that's kind of our gist of my side of our story. All right. All right. Well, I'm Justin Becker. Uh, as known as JB to everybody locally for the most part. Not not Justin uh, Bieber. No, not Justin Bieber. <laughs> you can cancel him out. I don't know that we would be able to get along or he could survive down here. <laughs> no doubt. 
Um, but anyways, I've hunted and fished my whole life, same as Ashley. I'd much rather hunt than fish. Uh, I ran dogs as a young kid before my dad passed away. And my stepdad was big into steel hunting. We were in clubs that ran dogs. So we were around people that ran dogs, just the kind of clubs and setups we had. It just wasn't quite as a good time. Um, so anytime I did any of my dog running, I was with my cousin on a different club. And as I was able to get older and get some dogs on my own where I was getting closer to where I could drive, I started having my own dogs. And basically since 14, 15, I've had my own dogs. And here I am, 29 years old now, and still hard at it. Good deal. Yeah, and I had—I mean, I had an absolute blast hunting with you all, and uh, it was—it was cool just to see it. I mean, that was a totally different world. I'm used to mountains and and nothing like—I mean, the water is what threw me for a loop. You know, that yeah. Was... And we got another, and we got another storm going to hit this weekend. Really? So it's going to be yeah. even deeper. Yeah, We'll yeah. be wasting yeah, 100%. It's, it's over Haiti right now, working its way up, doing the same as the last one. Yeah, there's nothing like, and to be honest, I didn't even really think about it, but, like, there's a lot of water moccasins, alligators, you know, all that good stuff. And I really didn't think about it much when we were going through it, but, heck, you know they're there. Yeah, the, the worst thing to do is to think about it, because then you look for them, and that's when you get bit. If you're just steady moving, I feel like you're a lot less likely to get bit, because I've kicked by them plenty times in my lifetime you still and, should be aware of them and the, la and the last thing i'll even do is look back at them if i kick one i just keep going yeah yeah oh tell me real quick uh i thought it was funny because i bought like, i brought my my crispy boots down there which are just if you're not familiar just really they're nice hiking boots but uh i was giving our intern a hard time for the shoes he wore because I was like, dude, well, you know, what are those? We do not wear that in West Virginia. And then I get down there, and JB's wearing the same daggone shoes. So tell me about those shoes. Uh, so any, as Andrew had extra, um, tufts. extra tufts, which there ain't a difference between them and, like, the brand that I have, the Huck brand, yeah. in my opinion, except one of them's more expensive than the other. And it doesn't matter hog hunting. There's no such thing as a shoe that's going to last. Yeah. So what I look for is a shoe that doesn't ruin getting soaking wet because they're going to. Yeah. Um, and it's lightweight. And with that being said, if I'm wearing knee-high rubber boots, I'm carrying knee-highs worth of water about anywhere that I go. And with those hucks, you know, they're that ankle deep's a lot lighter on your feet or, you know, in general walking. But they're not a bad as far as comfortable shoe anyways. I mean, they're made for being on a boat, being on your feet all day long. So as far as, you know, support, support you got plenty of it. And they don't hurt, you know, your knees don't hurt you know, as for anyone getting older. <laughs> your knees don't hurt or, you know, you don't, your calves, it's, it, you know, if you wear a, a bad shoe, you can feel like you're having to work out or it might be stretching or tearing a muscle, you know, to an extent. But with these, I don't seem to get them, and there's not a lot of slip to them. But don't make much difference when you're in the mud, anyways. And yeah. a boot dryer is your other best friend. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I brought my boot dryer. I knew I was going to need it. I wore gators. But as far day. but as far as the hunk or the extra tough, I mean, I feel like it's the most simple shoe for hog hunting. So I don't want to say it's the perfect shoe, but it's definitely the most simple shoe, anyways. Yeah. So if you and don't, a close alternative would be those ten, your old tennis shoes that you can get muddy and dirty and let them get a little stinky and wet. 
Right. Well, they well, if you don't know what they're talking about, they are just basically ankle high rubber boots. Uh, you know, yeah, lightweight, and you can just pop them off your feet and pour out the water really quick. I definitely saw like the advantage of them. Now you wouldn't you wouldn't wear those in West Virginia. You know, they yeah. would, they're slick on the bottom, whatever. You it just would not work here. But down there, I was like, <laughs> I literally at first. When I saw how much water we we're going through and stuff, I was like, I wonder if there's a Walmart near here that I can pick up a pair of those. Because that, you know, what I was wearing, it's just that it's not it's not what you want to wear down there for sure. And you definitely, like you said, you do not you don't want uh, big high rubber boots either because they're just going to fill full of water. Mm-hmm. But okay, and you always have a change of pants and a change of clothes, change of yeah, socks. Yeah, you always. It's like you know, you always keep dry clothes in the truck. I feel like yeah, that's anywhere you hunt. But especially around here. Yeah, no doubt. I figured that out. All right. So uh, I guess we'll start off kind of, uh, I, I would like for you to kind of tell, and I know it's probably something, you, you know, you don't really like talking about, but the, the truck wreck, because we have a lot of houndsmen on here, and that's something I've always feared of. And, and so, you know, you can't basically had to start your pack from scratch after the wreck you got in. Can you kind of explain, you know, what happened there and uh, just tell us a little bit about it? Because you were both there for it, right? Yep, correct. Uh, and it was just a couple weeks ago was the two-year two anniversary for it. Um, it was July 28th. But anyways, we were on the interstate headed south. We had came, we were living in South Florida at the time, came north, you know, Central Florida, we're back home for the weekend, headed down south, and I'm pulling the Polaris Ranger on a trailer back, and we're in the slow lane of the interstate, and we passed this car on the interstate. Uh, it was a Honda Civic. If I remember right, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, driving like 45 mile an hour in the speed, like in the fast lane. And, you know, not thinking nothing of it, you know, and ideally, I feel like most people be like, what is this idiot doing? You know, driving that slow in the fast lane. Yeah, it's like, get that old man so anyways, out of the road. Yeah. So not thinking nothing of it, we're driving. Next thing you know, the car shoots by us, like as if we were sitting still. And we were going roughly 72 my Toyota Tacoma wasn't going to pull that Ranger much faster than that. And, uh, so, you know, we're rolling on the the guy shoots on by us. Like we're sitting still. And then like, next thing you know, you know, as we're riding, we're talking and everything. Next thing you know, we're passing this car again, going like 30 mile an hour in the fast lane. And, you know, now thinking a little more about it, a minute or so goes by and he shoots back by us. And this time I could see when we went by him that he had alcohol all in the car. There was no tent on the windows or nothing like that. And, I mean, you could see he was smoking in the car. So, like, I told Ashley, I was like, I'll pro- I, I said, it'd probably be a good idea to call this guy in if we pass by him again. Um, just, you know, just to be safe anyways. Didn't make any signals or nothing to the guy. Just thought to ourselves it wouldn't be a bad idea. Well, next thing you know, we passed by him again and not paying attention didn't get his tag or nothing well like lo and behold here he gets in the slow lane finally and gets behind us so i'm watching him in the rearview mirror and you know he's next he does the whole back and forth thing and he gets like right on the tail of the trailer twice two different times and i wanted to pull over to let him go around but my fear was that he was going to hit clip the back of the trailer and shoot us off into the ditch if anything, I felt like we were more safe driving straight and him hitting us. But, well, next thing you know, he gets way back behind us, and he's coming. And 
we're buckling in. And I told Ashley, I was like, bear down, because I honestly felt like this was about to be the one that he was about to hit us, because there was no signs of him slowing down from what I can see in the mirror. And next thing you know, he hit us, and it jolted the trailer off, like, into the ditch. And when the trailer shot back straight, it ripped the truck around, and we got perpendicular down the interstate. And we got all the dogs in the dog box, all of our clothes and everything in the back seat of the truck. And we got perpendicular. I, I mean, I knew clear as day we was fixing to start rolling. And uh, so anyways, we start rolling, and we eventually come to a stop. And luckily, we landed, like, right side up, you know, the tires on the ground. And a car that pulled up behind us said that we had rolled every bit of six times at least. Um, and this is something that I can't stress enough to everybody nowadays since then because everybody just ratchet straps their dog boxes into their beds of their trucks and don't think nothing of it. And I've done it my whole life. I never thought nothing of it. Well, because of that, the ratchet strap broke through all the dogs out of the back of the truck, out from you know, in the, in the dog box because I've got a – dog box that goes over your bed rails so it's not a closed in box as far as a dog box goes so all the dogs got thrown from the truck um one dog died initially like from the wreck but the rest of them hit the ground got on their feet and just ran um one of them ran out into traffic right then immediately uh our youngest dog jenny which is a pit she ran yeah, that we used. She survived. She ran up to the car that pulled up behind us, and that guy grabbed her, set him in her, set her in his car, while he was helping us. And you know, I immediately kicked the door out of the truck, got out of the truck after checking on Ashley, and started scrambling around looking for dogs, just doing everything that we could. But you know, for one, for two of them, right then initially it was too late. Um, so from that point, we had five dogs in the truck. Three of them were accounted for. One of them was alive. Two of them were missing. You know, so considering that they weren't right there, there was high hopes that they just run off, you know, to the ditch in the woods, you know, surrounding property next to it, and they were all right. Um, uh, so basically we were there for several hours trying to clean up all, everything from the wreck. I mean, there was nothing in the truck. Everything was thrown out of the truck, all the glasses broke out of the windows from the side of the truck um, windshield was not busted through but was beat up pretty bad we were yeah it was caved in we were very lucky to, to be alive and it wasn't for seat belts you know we would be okay and then also with that being said a dog box being bolted into your truck probably would have saved all of our dogs you know they would have been beat up from the wreck but they would all be alive you know from something that we'll never know, but you feel like they would be alive anyways. Um, but anyways, after the wreck, going to the hospital that night, uh, we went back to the wreck site two days looking for the two dogs that were missing all day, long. Um, all day each day after we got out of the hospital. We got out of the hospital, and Ashley's sister came and got us from the hospital, and we drove immediately from the hospital to the wreck site and started looking for dogs. And we were there, like I said, two days straight looking for what would be Forrest and the other one, her name was Girl. And uh, we later found out the second day that the female dog, Girl, she got hit by a car like early the next morning, further down the road. Um, we were able to get her caller, you know, to confirm which dog that it was. 
uh, still not a way that you like to see him go anyways, but, you know, there was still hope for Forrest because we hadn't heard or seen nothing. And the amount of support and everything we got off of just Facebook alone was insane. I mean, there was like, Thousands. Yeah, there was thousands and thousands shares. of shares on several different posts. And likes. Um, you know, everything going around on Facebook. And through that, a lady found him in a big pasture right next to a shopping plaza, which was right next to where we got into the wreck. And that was the third day, looking right. That was the third day. And we had looked for like three quarters of the day that day. And we were just like, you know, we don't know what else to do. It was four o'clock in the afternoon I had, at that point. Yeah, I had I had left clothes at the wreck site, of, like my clothes, just to leave a scent, you know, for a dog to go back and look for that to lay down. Um, and the dang people come by picking up trash, picked it up like the the day of laying it there, so that didn't do much good. But anyways, we were on the way home, and this lady, I get a random call because my phone number was on Facebook, everything for the post, you know, looking for him. And she says she thought she'd seen our dog. By then, we were like 30 minutes away, and I was like, well, if you don't mind, we're going to turn around, and we're heading back. But if you could send me a picture, and when she sent the picture, you could see clear as day that it was forced. And We know, lost it. <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty, pretty emotional deal, three days looking for the dog. And he, it, you know, all, like, your, like your child. Yeah, I mean, he's, all, he's eight years old. And, yeah, all the dogs were very important to me, but I had, you know, all of them were only a couple years old um, besides Forrest. He was the, a dog that I had had the longest, and at the moment, he is, he'll be nine this year. So, you know, two years ago, uh, no, he'll be nine this year. Oh, okay. um, you know, so two years ago, I mean, he, was, he had the most sentimental value of any of them. Not that any of them didn't mean anything for me, but he meant the most to find um so that was a big blessing to get him back and he's our inside dog was before the wreck still afterward so he's most definitely a child yeah so i mean he's he's living the life he's rent free lays on the couch all day eats good drinks good i mean he's got it made he's a a guard dog now (laughs) yeah and gets his belly rubbed yeah yeah good deal i i like forced thought he's probably over there laying on is he in the couch or is he in his bed uh, he is literally down. upside Sorry. down with his feet in the air at the moment. I don't know if you can see him. Oh, I see him. Yeah. <laughs> so those are those not are, a worry in the world. No. So if you, if you are listening to this, uh, Forrest is on their couch on his back, just belly up, enjoying life. <laughs> well, good deal. I mean, I hated to start off with that, but I feel like it was you know a good backstory to where you are now because, uh, yeah. I mean, you you. It, that was just a, a really unfortunate situation, and it's something I've literally thought about, like wrecking with my dogs. Like I hope it never happens, and then you're yeah. one of the only. It's people. It's always that thought in the back of your mind, right? And you're one of the only people like I know that's had such like you rolled your truck with them in there, and it's like what in the world's going to yeah. happen? So I don't blame you at all for bolting your dog box down. I think that's a really good idea, and especially if you have like a designated hunting truck like you have. Uh, yep, exactly. Yeah. That and that makes it a lot more nice. You know, it, it gives you, I don't want to say a giant advantage, but it helps out a lot that you're not having to pull a heavy dog box in and out because a lot of people just see it as it's aggravating if it's their everyday truck and if they had it bolted down. And there's other alternatives. Give me a second. Uh, there's, there's other alternatives, you know, to that. They've got clips and stuff like that that you could use. Uh-huh. Um, 
that you could, you know, clip down into your truck. I mean, there's plenty of other alternatives. Biggest thing in my mind is a ratchet strap's going to break. I mean, it, it, there's no way it can hold up going through anything like that, which you hope never, but like you said, nobody ever has to go through that. And hopefully we could be a, a learning lesson to a lot of people yep. in that aspect, uh, you know, because a lot of people don't understand how much your dogs mean to you. And over the post on Facebook, you know, it's insane how many people bashed us, you know, and said our dogs are in better places now. Should have been inside because, the cab with us. Yeah, they should have been in the cab, buckled up, you yeah. know, because apparently they make seat belts and dogs sit in vehicles the same way that humans do. Yeah. So it would have held them apparently the same way. Um, but, you know, it's insane, you know, the kind of world we live in that people are more, work, you know, too narrow-minded about everything else going on and about because someone lives a different lifestyle than them and likes to use their dogs what they were bred for. And they don't care what happened to us. Or that this kid Wyatt Williams just hit, almost killed us, and ran, never stopped. Yeah, yeah, at that, all. that's a good good point. And uh, I told JB, I said, I, I when I was in person with him, I want to talk about this, and I wanted to say the guy's name because nothing happened to him, right? Uh, well, we don't know. You know, they don't. You know, as far as law enforcement, they're not going to call you and update it. Yeah, I look on public records online every so often. Uh, just trying to see if he's gotten anything and nothing's ever showed up that he, that anything came out of it. But I mean, named Wyatt Williams, he's out of North Carolina, he's so, a little young punk. Yeah. If y'all um, know a young punk named Wyatt Williams from <laughs> North Carolina, uh, you know, we wouldn't mind if you went up and sucker punched him, you know, cause yeah. <laughs> he deserves it. I did actually find a mugshot yesterday. No kidding. Of, of yep. This year yeah. he got arrested for a hit-and-run, reckless speeding, and a violation of probation. I mean, this guy needs to find a new hobby. Yeah. yeah. It's like, let's get drunk and then <laughs> drive really fast and slow down and really fast. I mean, that when yeah. you were telling me the story, I couldn't believe it. Can you? I can't even imagine seeing that, and then some guy just comes full speed, knows what he's doing, and runs right into you. And yeah. then you say he, and then bro has he no, broke and his... Wa and watches, watches the vehicle roll. Yeah. And, you know, stuff scattering everywhere. I had contracts and stuff for work all in a binder in my truck. And, I mean, it I mean, it was it took a couple of hours of us cleaning everything up. I focused um, on that so Justin could focus, looking for, focus on looking for the dogs. Yeah, so, I mean, like, we had law enforcement there and uh, fire department and ambulance. And they all helped for, like, five minutes to look for the dogs. And they were just hanging out by their trucks, just, you know, shooting the shit just hanging out and i had had enough of it i went and told them that the best thing that they could all do is leave you know i was tired of watching them standing there hanging out yeah ashley's bleeding out of her elbow because she's got glass on her elbow not once did they offer to clean her up at all um and you know i i eventually hours later you know calming down with the adrenaline rushing i had bad bruised lungs so i started coughing up blood real bad you know so not knowing obviously something internally was messed up because I was coughing up blood real bad, you know, like the cop was like, I can call the ambulance back. And I said, you know, screw that. I'd rather walk than deal with those guys again. You know, you know, screw you. Do not call them. Right. And Justin's cousin was already on the way to come help yeah, pick up and any luckily, of our stuff yeah, and luckily, the dog and everything else. And luckily, I had a cousin, you know, moved down south the same time we did. So he actually wasn't too far from the wreck. So he was able to help come and get, 
you know, what we had right there anyways and at least take it to his house for the night for, you know, and then take Jenny because we had her right there. Yeah. I don't know what we would have done with Jenny if, if he wasn't there. He should have came to the hospital. I mean, that's all there is to it. That's true. Yeah. Well, that was, uh, yeah, I just thought, I thought it would be good for you all to share that, but moving on. Another tip we want to share just in case y'all don't know is make sure you have uninsured motorists on your car insurance because I did not. Thankfully, Justin had it. And because that car that the kid was driving was stolen, the car's insurance did not have to do anything for us or pay anything for us. Because he had no insurance or nothing. He had no driver's license. So he had nothing. So I was stuck with paying for everything, you know, through so my insurance, I should say, not me. And if it wasn't for me paying for uninsured motors, which paid 10000 per person, um, I mean, we'd have been left high and dry for the most part. And that didn't even cover realistically. That covered our medical bills, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, it covered Jeez. the medical bills, and that was it. That doesn't count that a Ranger was totaled, a truck was totaled, a trailer was totaled, um, and my insurance only covered, yeah, you know, they washed their hands to it, and they only covered what was in the truck. So the trailer and Ranger and all that just had to be fixed out of pocket. Um, so even though insurance tells you you don't need uninsured motorists, make sure you go ahead and invest in that. No doubt. No doubt. All right, well, moving on. Um, this is something that I didn't know, and I, I mean, heck, I don't know how many people know this, but I would like for you all to explain what is a bar hog versus boar hog. All right, so you a boar hog is a male hog with testicles. Um, Which I, hey, by the way, they, I did, I didn't know that, but I didn't, I didn't know bar was a term. The bar, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I was, that, I'm with I you there. I would, well, because I, I noticed that y'all call bear boars. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, so, but a bar hog, which is spelled B-A-R-R, not like go bar hopping, um, is a castrated hog, you know, removing of his testicles. And like I said on the, you know, with the other day when we caught the hog, you're not going to get rid of the hog population in Florida. So in my mind, make the best of it that you can and a barred hog is some of the best meat you will ever eat um it's way better than the pork you buy in the grocery store a hundred percent um and you know we cook every bit of it differently and not once have i ever met anybody in my life complain over eating a barred hog and like my i hog hunt a lot but realistically like my dad you know, no one in my family, have, you know, really hog hunts. It's just me. So, and you don't eat. I'm not going to say you don't eat. There are a lot of people that eat a boar, a boar hog, but they are, they stink bad. You know, it's just nothing about it is appetizing, appetizing to me at all. You know, it stinks, tougher. Right. So we castrate them to make the best of the population and what you have here. And then they don't, they don't go to waste just. Yeah, and also, you know, as a deer hunter, you know, a lot of deer hunters, you look for the big deer. So, like hog hunting, you look for the big hog. And when you castrate a hog, he focuses on straight eating. Um, and down here, they've got a wide variety of palmetto berries, acorns, you know, your any kind of cow land that you have, like cows out there where we have hunt. The cowboys go out there and feed cows, sweet feed and stuff all the time. So the hogs are eating phenomenal all the time. Well, when you castrate them, now they're focused on just that eating, which makes the meat that much better. 
Um, so castrating, you know, it makes them a bigger hog. They focus on eating. They taste better. And also their teeth grow better as a bar um, as well, which, you know, you like to have a trophy. You know, you're not going to put a, a sow on your wall with no teeth at all. So, you know, and, and there's a lot of positive factors that go into castrating your hogs anyways, you know, and it not only just as far as a trophy, but looking to feed yourself, you get a pile of meat, you know, if they're able to survive another year or two without hunters, you know, deer hunters seeing them and shooting them because um, they're going to eat you know, the whole time. Just, now, yeah. all they do is eat. Hogs don't ever stop eating, and they eat everything. Even if they're um, harvested within a few, you know, a few months of, of being castrated, they're still going to be a hundred times better to eat than than when he was a boar hog. But yeah. as he, the longer he's a bar, the more fat they'll pack on. I mean, we've caught plenty of hogs that have four and five inches of just fat over top of their back straps. I mean, it just makes the meat melt in your mouth. It's amazing. Huh. So it's like, can you explain like how, how it was similar to like a steer versus like a, a, a yeah, so just like anytime you're going to the grocery store, you're raising your own beef or anything like that. You know, you're not you're not harvesting your bulls um, and eating those. You know, everything you eat is a steer. Which is so, which a steer is what a castrated bull. You so, know, a male so, yeah. castrated male cow. Right. Uh, so you know that's what you're you know that's what you're getting at grocery stores. So you know it's no different. You know, and there's no medical way to stitch up you know bulls or you know when you're castrating them so same with hogs you know when you castrate them there's literally no bleeding at all um in a hogs they survive through the nastiest terrain and fighting each other all the time so they don't you know as far as their immune system it's built up you know that castrating them they don't gain like an infection or anything like that and they heal up very quickly i had one place in particular that had and we cut a hog as a I don't know, probably a 50-pound hog anyways, boar hog. We cut him and turned him loose, but he had a special feature, like a red patch, like right behind his ear. Well, we caught that hog like three months later, and he gained like 120 pounds. Jeez, in that amount but, of time. Yeah, and yeah, and this place, no time this place was farmland, so he was eating a lot better than like your swamp hog would eat. Yeah. Um, so that makes a big difference as well, but... Yeah, I mean, it's insane how much weight they can acquire over a little amount of time with castrating them. And, and like, you know, back on the beef, same thing. You know, you get a bull, you get your healthy-looking bulls, but they just turn into a totally different built animal when they're castrated and they're focused on just eating and not breeding, you know. Also, when you think about, like, venison, to me, a doe tastes better than a buck does. They're always more tender. They taste better. So, you know, that concept plays in for that as well. I mean, just in general, your meat's going to taste better when there's not testosterone running through it. And I've always wondered, because you know how they said a, a deer, a buck, when he gets, say he gets castrated, you know, obviously not naturally, and their velvet never comes off their horns. Um, I wonder if there's ever anybody that's noticed a taste difference in a deer. Yeah. Well, surely if anyone's yeah. ever killed one castrated because you see it you yeah. see people that kill them and surely they would know the difference and i always wondered if you know me and ashley we talk about it like wonder if it really is like venison's phenomenal and i wonder if it's that much better 
Oh, it carries but over from cattle. I don't think I'm going to go out there and catch a buck yeah. um, and, and castrate him. <laughs> yeah. They got a little more kick to them. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it carries yeah, over in cattle. It carries over. Same deal with hogs. I'm sure it would have to be the same thing with you know other animals. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Uh, really, you know, I was under the impression, and uh, I think I asked you just because I was like, are we killing these? You know, what's going on? There's almost like this this idea that like everybody that comes across a feral pig, it's just like you know, you know, we're shooting them yeah. out of helicopters, you know. Yeah. So they're just killing and killing them, killing them, and that's all I'm thinking is like the goal is to eradicate them. And for you all, like that's not the case, you know. It would be different if you were hunting, um, you were hunting somebody's farm. Like a farmer says, okay, I want you to come in here and remove them. That would be different. But, like, this is yeah, property yeah, that you all are paying to, to hunt. It's a lease, a re- big yeah, exactly. lease, you know, and it's part of, you know, it's, it's part of what you like doing. So that's, that's you're choosing what you want to eat because, one, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to just kill these hogs and then not eat them, which obviously I'm guessing those guys that are shooting them out of helicopters, that's, you know, probably what they're doing. Uh, but it's all, yeah, it's right. all situational, you know. It's If, if there's a property exactly. that they want them removed because they're just destroying it and, this farmer wants them out of there. That's different because they are uh, invasive, you know, species. So I understand. Like I, I thought, I, and I'm telling you, when people watch the, the video, they're going to be like, "I do not understand why they're letting feral pigs go." Because at first, that's was my. I was like, "Why in the world would we let feral pigs go?" But after experiencing it and then talking to you all, I'm hoping from this podcast they'll be able to understand that a little bit better. And then yeah. your sows, like we don't, we we will keep or harvest sows for us to take home and eat as well. Sows a female hog. Thank you. Sows a female hog. And so, just like you said, there's a lot of, of meat not going to waste because even though that bar hog is going to continue to root up and focus on eating, he's not going to be reproducing. And same thing with the sows. By us taking out the sows whenever we and harvesting them for our own freezer and our own meat, that also goes to reducing the population without being wasteful at the same time. Yeah, so we treat, we treat you know, as far as the aspects of managing the herd, we try to treat our hog hunt basically the same way. Um, I'm not going to say we go out there to murder every sow we can, you know, come across, but all the quite, you know, not as healthy looking sows or a good blooded sow, um, and you can tell because we have so many hogs you know, around where we are, you can tell that there's a lot of them that just aren't eating quite as good. And because, and it's, it's very rare. Like when you were in town, we caught six boar hogs. Generally we could go and hunt all weekend like that. And you could catch 80% sows. Um, you know, we try to manage the herd with that. You know, we'll remove a lot of them sows out of there and, you know, and like I said, just making the best of the situation, trying to help out with, with the eating anyways, because there's so many hogs, you know, and people are like, you know, if there's so many hogs, why don't you catch more than three or four? Well, they've got a huge advantage in the terrain when they're a lot smaller and skinnier, as you've seen and got to experience us crawling through those gallberries. Yep. It took several minutes getting to the dog's bang what takes us several minutes those hogs you know slither through like a snake in the grass you know it ain't nothing for them to bob and weave and all of that 
um, and a gallberry bush to, to explain to y'all is basically a very small um, twig-like tree that has thousands of little twigs going each way and has they don't grow very tall they don't grow very tall but they're just thick and there's twigs of that tree and little bush going every which way so you literally are having to push through them to even get through yeah yeah and that definitely i mean that makes it tough just trying to get to the trying to get to not to mention the Exactly, the, not to mention the briars or yeah. what we call wait a minute vines, where those big old vines, with those half inch thorns all the way down them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, on to the dogs now. Um, what breed are the dogs? So we've got a wide variety. Um, we've got uh, one of them that is straight cur. We've got two of them that are leopard cur cross. And we've got one that is a leopard Catahoula cross, and then we've got our uh, pits, um, straight red nose pits, and then Jenny is actually a cross between a blue nose and a red nose pit, which is called a fawn. Yep. And I personally, I really like Jenny. I don't know something about her. I think she just got yeah. such a good personality. She does. She has a yeah. great personality, and I think she's the next forest as far as coming inside. Well, she used to live inside. She did. Um, when we were down south. And not that we're cutting her out from living right here, but we had a bigger house down south, and we're in the process of, you know, we bought a mobile home just to be cheap because uh, we're building a house. So once we build a house, she'll be able to come back inside. But the mobile home, it just gets a little tight because she likes to run and play around a lot more, unlike Forrest. Forrest just lays there. Yeah. <laughs> His playing days are done. Yeah. yeah. There's not exactly enough room for Jenny to – to be who she wants to be yeah. in our house. I gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So but Jenny's uh, my baby. <laughs> so uh how many dogs do you cut loose and why? Um so anytime I'm hog hunting, I cut loose the least amount of dogs as possible. I typically never turn more than two, maybe three dogs depending on the situation at the time. And the reason why I hunt like that is because of the terrain that we hunt is so thick. And when more dogs get together, they tend to be a lot more aggressive. Um, And with that being said, with how thick it is, when they get up in the middle of like these cypress heads or, you know, in the cypress heads, it's thick with, you know, the vines, thorns, gallberries. I mean, there's literally cypress cypress knees. I mean, there's a little bit of everything in a cypress head. Um, And everywhere you have your cypress heads, it's basically their ponds or what they are. And anytime you have land cleared, they can't clear those areas where that pond, you know, as you could call it, is a cypress head. Um, So I turn loose the least amount of dogs as possible because they get up in those heads and they have little to no movement at all as far as once they surround the hogs and they go to bane them more dogs you got in there they're stepping on top of each other and if you got a big aggressive hog that's going to be charging the dogs they're a lot more likely to get cut or injured or you know because they are either a running into each other um or you know just simply can't get out of the way of the hog and so my style of hunting and, you know, if they have a hog caught up in the middle of one of those heads, 
I've had places where I've had to belly crawl to them, and it's taken me 30 minutes to get from my truck to the dog's bank. And if they're catching a big toothy hog in there, generally they're not going to have no quit when there's a lot more of them ganging up on it, as you could call it. And they're just going to sit there and get destroyed, you know. So my style of hunting, I turn loose the least amount of dogs as possible because if they go in there, they got a lot more room to work with. Um, they're not quite as aggressive, so they're a lot more, you know, going to stand back from any good size hogs typically smaller hogs my dog will grab it which isn't an issue at all but you also run into smaller hogs that do have teeth but uh you know my style of hunting turn loose the least amount of dogs as possible and that's why you know i i enjoy turning my catch dog loose because which is the catch dog is the dog you send once you, the dogs your bay dogs have the hog found and they've got it surrounded and stopped and, you know, barking, locating, got it signaling where it is and got it cornered basically. Right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to so, cut you off there. So what Justin he's talking about is he'll just have usually two, maybe three dogs on the ground or, or rigging. And yep. they'll be the ones that jump off the truck or locate the hog and they'll go catch it. And then that's when he'll bring in Jenny, the, the pit, um, he'll bring her in and then send her in on the hog and she grabs it. And that's what the, the, you know, she catches it. She's the catch dog and holds it. There. Yeah. And, and she's vested up, you know, so we have, Kevlar. yeah. So that's a Kevlar vest that was fitted. I had built just for her. Um, so it sized up to her perfectly and that's what protects her. And that's what helps keeps your bay dogs alive longer. You know, when they're, when they're able to stand back and bay, You've got your dog that's designed to go in there and grab, but also they have protection, unlike your bay dogs, because it's just too hot down here. They can't run with those vests on. They'll burn up, uh, die of a heat stroke. You know, there's a, the list is endless of a lot more things that could happen with them in the vest. And I've had dogs that I did run vests on. I'm not going to say I've never done it. Um, I just do think it's a lot harder on a dog. But there's some dogs that are just bred differently. And they're going to grab a hog no matter what. Like our sis dog that we lost in the wreck. She was she was all about, we, we couldn't stop her from catching, well, even though she was a bay dog. She wanted to catch every time she was running a hog. So we did our best to get her to stop that, but that wasn't happening. So we ended up just having to put a uh, running vest on her. Yeah, so it's, a, it's as far as a, you know, a, a strike vest, or catch vest, the size difference is huge to help out with that heat. But still, you can only do so much right? Um, as far as heat and them wearing those vests. So that's what we like to, you know, we like to, as far as our pick and breed of dog, we like something that's going to stand back and bay. Uh, and then you've got a dog that's protected that don't have to do quite as much running around and be affected by the heat that you could send in there to seal the deal and, you know, us following up behind them to help keep her and the rest of them safe as well and putting our hands on the hog. And then to explain, like, how much the catch dog is protected, that Kevlar vest goes all the way from their jaw, basically, from the bottom of their jaw, all the way down past all their vitals to cover all their rib, all their rib cage their and all of it to the, yeah, basically to the flank and then buckles at the top so that we they are, all, all their vitals are, are covered and protected. Yep. Well, good deal. And and when when Jenny when Jenny goes in there, the catch dog, the pit, um, that's when Justin goes in and 
grabs it like a man and <laughs> flips it over <laughs> and sticks his knee down on it and then starts. That's where the term hog tie has to come from because he hog ties. Oh, it is 100%. He hog ties yep. it up. Uh, it's something to see too. Like, it, it's definitely something. I mean, I, I can, I, I definitely know what's going on there. You've done it probably thousands of times now. So it's just like nothing for him. Like, zero fear whatsoever does not care. And he doesn't even think twice about any of right. it. I mean, he just the hog flips the hog, ties it all in one motion. Yeah, and you'll see in the first video, there's a hog literally running at him, charging him, and he's just holding it, his hand out, just kind of giving it the Heisman, uh, holding out, you know, just holding it away, holding it away, holding it away, and then gets it in position and flips it over and uh, puts his knee down on it and ties it up. And I think it's so cool. It's like muscle memory and uh, just lack of fear. Like, you just, you're, you're really good at it. I was impressed. And those things, that's what... <laughs> All my buddies and stuff were giving me a hard time for saying I was all flexed up in the photos I was taking. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you don't understand. I'm holding on for dear life. That hog ain't dead. Like it was. I, I told Justin, I, I'm a pretty strong dude. At least I think so. And uh, those things are, I'm telling you, what even tied it's, up? They're, they're very strong. It's, we talk about it all the time. It's mind blowing that they can be hog tied on the back of the truck and still have. They can shake the truck you know, being tied up on the dog box. They can shake the truck with just throwing their head around. Like, we'll be going down the highway, and they will sh throw their head around, <laughs> just, and the whole truck will just the, uh, shake. Just the strength that they have to be able to even stand up, and a lot of them can about do whatever they want, you know, tied up still. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and they can get back we up on back, their feet. Yeah. That's, you seen, like you seen on the second hog we caught the first day, he was up moving around, you know, I, it was all I could do to get around him to try to get his tail yeah. to yeah. get him so he don't catch you still. And he's tied up. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just something to see. And I hope everybody listening to this gets to experience it because it is, it is pretty cool. Okay. So, um, this is a term that I did not know, but you were using it often. And I just kind of with context clues figured it out. Uh, what is a rally? Ah. So a rally, as I refer to it, is just a group of hogs. Um, you'll get, you know, basically just like, you know, when you see on the National Geographic channel of all these dang animals up north, you know, they get rallied up, as I call it. Huddled up. Huddled up is another term for it. And they do that to protect themselves. Um, and the sound and the high volume of grunting that they can put off is mind-blowing. I mean, I've literally, I've had dogs before where I've turned a set of dogs out on a hog that i seen, and then I went on down the road, and i seen a track, and I dumped the dog to that. And I've had dogs a mile away from me, and I could tell when they've got a rally bait up, as I call it, because as loud as a pile of hogs, you know, there's no number. I call a rally, you know, a few or more. It's a rally, whether it's 200 of them or four of them. It's a rally. What's uh, that term? Three or more makes a party. Same yeah. thing. There, there you go. go. Makes a rally. Yeah. Uh, is, okay, just, so is rally know, just a term that you use, or is it a term that all hog hunters use? I wouldn't say all hog hunters use it. Uh, many, many do. I mean, for the most part, I feel like a lot of people do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just everyone's got their own terms for, for things. Right. Um, but rally is uh, rally is what I say. It's just what I've always heard. So next spring when uh, 
I'm trying to think of like when there's three animals together, but uh, I would say next spring when I'm calling in, there's three gobblers coming up. Like, here comes yeah. a rally of turkeys. Yeah, they're yeah they're rallied up with the hens down there. They ain't coming out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Uh, well, you were talking. We we're talking about numbers. So, what is the most hogs you've caught in a day? You've got an interesting uh, photo on your Instagram of y'all got a bunch tied up. Yeah. So, what is there? Fourteen in that picture. Well, that's just with dogs. So, are we talking about with in Gainesville? We're, we're not talking about trapping. We're, this is a dog hunting. Okay, but um, I'm just asking. I've right, never. That's a good question, far, Ashley. Jeez. As, as, Thank you. As far as. I don't even consider trapping, you know, a thing. But I that was dogs and trapping that day. That's why I was asking. All so right, anyhow, all right, dogs right. and trapping. It all was right. like I am. I am. I'm not gonna lie though. I am leaning more towards with dogs. Exactly. Okay. So there was. No one cares about a trap. Seven. Anyways, 14, so we caught. We caught. It was. I think it's fourteen. It is yeah, fourteen. 14. I got the Instagram post. I got to pull it up. Yep. So I think there's fourteen hogs in that picture, and we yep. caught them in an hour and fifteen minutes. minutes. Uh, it turned into a job. Oh, yes. 100%. Uh, we got off work. It was nice and cold right there before turkey season started. And we just got off work. Uh, and, you know, we had plenty of time before it got dark to just go do a loop in the woods. And it wound up turning into more than a loop. Uh, we bait up two different rallies, um, one group being at least 20 hogs. And the other group, I didn't even get a count. There were so many of them. You could hear those from one of these same situations from over, but, not over, but from a mile away. But so that afternoon, I mean, I've I've been a few times in my life and I've caught around 20 um, in a day. Yeah. Uh, but the most with the, the afternoon of me and Ashley, and it was one other buddy of ours that met us down there later on, we caught that 14 and an hour and 15 minutes, and that's the fastest for the amount of hogs I've ever caught in my life. It is unheard of. All right, so... Uh, we were whipped, <laughs> let me tell you. No doubt. So well, where did you get all the rope to tie them up at? Amazon. <laughs> I mean, for real? I, I understand that, but you had that much rope in the truck is what I'm... Oh, no, 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 not in my pocket. I had to keep going back to the truck. Yeah. I'm just impressed you... Um, I mean, so, who comes prepared to catch 14 hogs? <laughs> I figured... Yeah, no, so what, luckily belts. I have that much cut in the truck ready yeah. to go for whatever reason optimistic um, yeah so but i actually i do think i had to cut a couple different sections uh yeah. but i had i almost had enough um but and we didn't even all the pictures of those hogs they are not even all of them that we caught are in the picture correct um and if you some all of them got, if y'all want to go see the photo uh his instagram is jb2 hunter the number two so jb2 hunter uh, H-U-N-T-E-R. So go check that out. It's, it's just a few posts down there. You can see it's a big wad of hogs all tied up on the ground. <laughs> it looks crazy. I sent that when I was talking to uh, Andrew, our intern, about coming down there. I sent him that, and I said, you better be ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, good deal. I mean, that, that sounds like a good time. I'm sure y'all had to be exhausted, though. We 100% were. Yeah, and, and the bad thing, it's not a bad thing, um, the dogs were still trying to keep going. We had to call the dogs off. And you've seen that morning with Bubba and Rona, you know, when they know when there's more than one hog in the area. And as soon as you get your hands on that first one, they leave immediately. And I trained them that way to go find the next set of hogs, you know. So we had to, huh? What's that called? And we refer to that as relaying. Um, 
So, you know, they relay go to the next set of hogs. And they were still trying to go. And we had to start hollering at them to, you know, like, all right, we got to go home this time. We got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> it's a I good problem that. to have. No doubt. All right. So uh, what is the biggest hog you have caught? Biggest hog I have ever caught is 550 pounds. That's a monster. And it took four people to get him flipped over. One person per back leg. And the third grabbing one of the front legs. And the fourth just kind of behind the person on the front leg helping roll it over. Uh, it was a giant. There ain't no doubt about it. Was that How many a... catch dogs did you have on that? Uh, we still we only had one catch dog. Really? That was it. Yeah. Was that a was I that a bar hog or was that a boar hog? No, he was a boar hog. Really? Cause so like, do yeah. you think you could have got even bigger if you'd? Have, I mean, did, I'm I'm assuming you killed him being that big. Uh, um. So this hog, this particular area, the old man that gave us permission to hunt the piece, he had some domesticated hogs get out of their pen mm-hmm. like 40 years ago. And so that bloodline just mixed in, and it and it created what a lot of people see online is the hogzilla. Um, a true wild hog really doesn't get that big. I'm not going to say it's never happened, but it's not common that you get a true full-blooded wild hog that big. So it had half domestication, I'm going to say, in his bloodline. You know, and it, those types of hogs, they can't – take a lot of stress yeah so if you were to castrate him i think he was too old of a hog that he probably wouldn't have survived um so we took them like just to the house and turned them loose right there in a pen that a guy i know had he had a real big pen so to be 100 percent honest i don't even know whatever happened to him if they did sir if they did survive or not um but a hog that big and an older boar hog if you can tell he's an older boar hog i won't castrate because you know typically they will they can't handle that stress um so if you, with those hogs i don't think that they would really got any bigger even that. though it's not a big deal to castrate a hog the stress justin's referring to is not just being castrated but also the heat and the adrenaline rushing through from the dogs running them and there's a lot of other factors that goes into it other than just the actual castration just so that everyone knows like it's not torture it's, yeah. There's a lot of things that go into that so, being too stressed. I, that's the biggest hog I ever caught. But as far as a true wild hog, um, the biggest one I have ever caught weighed 375. Hmm. Well, that's that's still an absolute brute. And if you get, like yeah. I said, if you go to JB's Instagram, you'll see some of these hogs he's got on here. We didn't catch any when I was down there like this, but he's got some fat toads on there. Y'all have to come back. Yeah. Yeah, I want. I, trust me, I want to. All right, so uh, gored by a hog. I guess hog hunter's worst nightmare, other than losing one of his dogs. Tell us a little bit about that. So a few years ago, um, me and a guy that right here locally, we went hog hunting, and we caught two giant hogs this particular morning. Um, and we just got into a bad spot. You know, I'm going to say I'm going to call it a. a a ditch, you know, basically shaped like a V. Um, it was a real tight ditch. Um, it's not necessarily real steep, but I'm going to say the hog had the advantage on me. Got him caught, got him flipped, got, you know, got the dogs off of him. And he was just a short legged 
built like a brick shit house, you know, as you could call it. He was very athletic um, of a hog. And I carry all my tie string in my back pockets. And so when I've got these hogs caught, as you'll see in the video, like I got one leg right behind their ear up, you know, in front of their shoulder. And the ne next knee is on the back side of the shoulder and I'm holding the front hog up. And that basically takes away a, a lot of their leverage um, where they can't roll back over and get on their feet. Well, when I leaned forward to get the string out of my back pocket, this hog kicked. And when he did, it just knocked me off balance. He didn't, like, knock me off of him. He just knocked me off balance for a second. But him being as strong as he was and his legs being a little shorter, I mean, it was, you know, a snap. You know, within a second, he was stood up. And instantaneously, you know, the only thing I know to do is grab a hold of him. And so I've got this boar hog basically in a headlock, just trying to keep from his head, you know, getting thrown all over the place and cutting me anywhere else or getting to me real bad. And I've, all my pits or catch dogs or trains that when I've got a hold of them, they let go. So as I've got this hog caught, you know, in a headlock, um, my pit forest is sitting there watching, waiting, you know, like for me to let go basically. And after a couple of seconds, I pushed off of him and just crawled away real quick. And the dogs caught him, got him flipped, got him tied up, not even knowing that I was cut. And walking back to the truck, the guy I was with asked me, he's like, did he get you? And I was like, you know, I think he got that nerve right there on my thigh when you get dead leg. Uh, but it didn't feel nothing serious, you know, just felt a little tight, you know. So we're walking back to the truck. And, I mean, it had to be easily 10, 15 minutes went by. And he goes, are you sure he didn't get you? Your jeans are ripped. And I was like, well, you, you know, my jeans weren't ripped when we got here. So I unbutted my pants and look, and lo and behold, there is a scar that I'll carry with me the rest of my life uh, and leave me with no feeling in my whole right thigh and just below kind of like my ash cheek, basically. Um, and he got me good. Uh, it's That's on the Instagram page, too, if you want to go check it out. Um but something serious, and it's not nothing to take, you know, for granted or is take lightly because hogs do carry a lot of disease in their mouth. Um, but he cut all the feeling out of my leg immediately, so there wasn't much bleeding or nothing like that. And when I went to the hospital, they had to remove some muscle out of my leg and do a loose stitch. So basically they left it open for the healing process to let it heal from the inside out. And the worst pain of the whole ordeal was the rabies shots. That was the worst pain I think I've ever dealt with in my life. Where'd you get the rabies shots? At? And they gave me the rabies shots all around the cut itself. So they stuck me like 21 times um, injecting this stuff. And each poke with that needle was the worst pain ever. Cause it's a thicker needle. Yeah. The thicker needle, bigger needle, um, in diameter, uh, and the insulin is a thicker insulin from my understanding, you know, from the way they explained it to me, but irrelevant of what it was, it didn't feel good. Yeah. So next time you'll just tell them it was a, uh, a kitchen knife or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no rabies. <laughs> yeah. Let's no, just, that's let's for sure. chance it. <laughs> yeah. 
I got you. I'll stitch it up myself next time if it comes to that. <laughs> no doubt. All right, so um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, you talked about getting permission to hunt a property by removing hogs and getting the numbers a lot lower. Uh, so I guess you want to, I mean, I, I just thought that was an interesting way to gain access to the property. And didn't you all catch like a ridiculous amount of time, uh, hogs in, in an eight month period there or something? Yeah. Within a couple months, you know, and that was traps also, um, me and, uh, us and some buddies of ours, um, you know, their family was logging this property and that's how we gained access to it. And, he was, you know, he didn't have much faith that we was going to be able to do much. He being the property owner. Yeah, the property owner did not have much faith. You know, he's like, there's way too many hogs. You won't ever be able to do nothing. Yeah. Can you explain and real this quick was, why he wanted them removed? Like, what the problems they were So his, his property butted up to some subdivisions, and the hogs were tearing up the subdivisions. And when I refer to tearing it up, they're rooting up their yards, flower beds, and Anything they can get a hold of in the yards, they're tearing Ditches. up. Um, so this landowner was like, you know, yeah, you can have permission to hog hunt this, that, and the other. So we started hunting, it, and this this was a place that we were catching. I mean, a, a pile of them, like each time we went. And so over uh, within a couple of months, we had a couple of hundred hogs caught between dogs and running traps. I mean, it was insane. With, this is not running with, dogs 24-7. Yeah, this this is, is just on the weekends. Yeah, just on the weekends. Um, and then not even a whole weekend, like going one morning out of the weekend. So, I mean, this place was loaded with them, and we put a dent in them in a hurry. But like I said, between the traps and also running the dogs. But, I mean, like one day in particular running dogs, I think we caught 23 hogs. But the landowner was so impressed that he ended up giving us permission to – um deer hunt, deer hunt just, and turkey and turkey or did we, did we turkey no just there? deer hunt okay just deer hunt all right so that gained us access to that because he was like let me we'll talk about it when i can see what you can do with these hogs and he was so impressed he was like here's the keys do what you want that's pretty keep sweet. the roads clean do yeah, what you want yeah so we've got this property for free and all i got to do is mow the roads yeah well that's that's a good trade-off no, not a bad one at all. I wish they all would work out like that. No yeah. doubt. And weren't weren't they going to put uh, like high fence or something crazy like that? All yeah. The way so because it? the hogs were so bad, the subdivision was pushing through. I don't remember if it was through the county or what, but I mean something was going to have to happen. That he was going to have to high fence his whole property. Um, you know, and us talking with this guy, you know, and that's back to the how narrow minded people can be. I understand you don't want hogs tearing up your property but like why high fence you know hogs can't fly they don't jump high um you know and they can eventually they climb, climb around they, that fence somewhere yeah exactly they're gonna make a way if they want to get through it they will get through it yeah they do make something called uh what we call hog wire which is an american wire that's very heavy gauge steel um that you could potentially help a little bit with that but I like mean, the money the behind it, you know, the money behind it, the guy would, I'm not going to say he's going to go broke because he's but loaded, fence, but, like you said, it's not do yeah, but high fence doesn't change the fact at all. Right. It just make him feel a little bit better. Yeah. Say, hey, we <laughs> tried. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, good deal. That's, uh, I so thought, we saved that guy some money in the process. And got a place to hunt and he's thankful. Yeah. We all are thankful. So that's, that's a win-win for sure. No doubt. No doubt. It's pretty cool. 
Okay, let's uh, switch gears again. Um, how about some hog recipes? So they were nice enough uh, to send me home with a bunch of hog meat. And I'm curious. I know I, I've talked to you for a second, but literally I just immediately forget sometimes. <laughs> I want to know uh, what's the best way to, to cook this hog, you know, that, that I brought home. Our favorite is grilling the backstrap. 100%. Um, and let me grab the seasoning real quick because I don't remember what it's called. It's um, McCormick. It's McCormick. And we use two different um, blends, basically, that McCormick makes. One is mesquite, and the other is smokehouse maple. Yeah, yeah smokehouse maple. And when you mix the two, you get this just really great flavor. Anytime you use anything on pork that's, whether it's a cherry rub or like an apple rub or a maple rub, any kind of, of um, natural sweetness that you can get to use to season the pork is going to make it phenomenal but our favorite way like justin said is most definitely season it with the mccormick seasoning we just talked about and then put it on the grill and just to remind y'all pork doesn't have to be cooked dry there is a temperature of like it's 140 yeah so i mean like you don't like when you order a steak you're not going to say rare plus for your pork backstrap right but um i don't i eating it a, a tad bit on the pink side is is how we eat it um, it's actually if you look at most thermometers it'll tell you pork is supposed to be at like between 140 and 150 I've actually, so around 145 yeah. i've looked that up too when i was just like we got pork loin from walmart you know look at it because yeah yeah that's the same way when i whenever i'm cooking steaks or anything like that i'm always going off the temperature not just on it yeah, exactly. Um, so that's our favorite with the backstrap. But even so, even if you do like, you know, I'm going to say like nuggets, nuggets um, we can cut up the ham, um, fried nuggets, basically, you could call it. And we season it the same way, um, you know, and just deep fry it. Uh, but we also smoke the hams, which is phenomenal. That'll um, go before the venison does every time. Yep. Um, as far as our family get-togethers, it'll surprise you how quick these people eat, you know, the hog meat, a bar, basically, overeating a deer. Um, I've also made, like, breakfast casseroles with the sausage we've had made from them and taking it to work and, like, told people beforehand, be like, hey, just so you know, this is wild hog. Like, you're going to love it, but just I don't want you to be mad at me later and feel like I lied to you about it. Like, this is wild hog. And then they try it, and they can't believe, like, how good that even though it's in a breakfast casserole and it's cooked with some eggs and some other stuff, like can't believe how not gamey that this hog is. Yeah. They just expect that anything that comes from the wild is going to be gamey and just yeah. not very good. But, but big, yeah, our favorite's the backstrap. And the biggest thing is like who's preparing it and how they're preparing it. That's what Correct. people, people are like, even, you know, people I hunt with, they're like, I, they don't like bear meat. They give it all away, which is good. You know, I'd rather them give it away to someone that wants it, but, I'm like, man, y'all just don't know how to cook it because there's no yeah. way that you're eating the same thing I'm eating. Uh, yeah. Whether I, don't, I mean, I personally don't like bear steaks or anything like that, but we'll use, we'll take a a bear roast and then put it in our in, in, Instapot. Yeah, yeah, it's really good to put it in the Instapot and then throw some vegetables. We'll cook it for a while, then add some vegetables to it after 30 minutes or so, and it'll come out of there literally just falling apart. It's delicious. And so I, I've had bear roast. I love it. It's one of my favorites. I usually, I used to ask for bear roast when I was younger for my birthday. Yep. 
I mean, it's, I don't know how you could eat that and be like, oh, this is horrible, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, exactly. And then, and then burger. Like, how can you screw burger up? You can use it for tacos. You can use it for hamburger helper. I call it bear burger helper whenever we're, we're doing it. There you it. go. Uh, there's, like, so many different ways you can use burger. Um, and then the stew meat uh, for, like, soup and stuff. It's great for that, mm-hmm. too. Chili. Uh, I, I mean, say it's probably great in chili. There's just, the list goes on and on, and heck, you kill a bear. Mm. I mean, this is a decent sized bear, you know. You got meat for a long time. So I think I think I can't wait to try the the hog. I just I wanted to make sure I want to talk to y'all before I did it because I don't want to halfway do it. I want to make sure it's good. And I thought the nuggets hey. that we had when we were down there was awesome. Yeah, but like like she said, and that's something we kind of just started here recently with like the cherry rub or the maple rub or. You know, some of those flavors, we've been testing out some different ones here lately, and it's actually, that's kind of been our go-to here lately. Um, What's that cherry rub that, that, what's the brand that? Um, It's a brand that, you didn't ask me, I could have told you. Um, You you can. But the cherry rub was, I mean, and like, so I'm not a cherry fan, so ideally I would never go anywhere and buy cherry rub without have tasting this beforehand. Um, but my dad got it and Ashley's looking it up right quick, but I mean, it is insane how good this stuff is. Huh. And we, I mean, there's not much that we don't put this on. So when you say in your seasoning it, are you just absolutely, are you coating it, um, with it? Are you seasoning no, it, putting it in a bag no. for a while or are you just, how, how do you, how's the seasoning go? Like a dry rub basically. Yeah. Like okay. a dry rub. So I mean, like I don't over season anything, um, me personally, I'm a very plain individual, um, and and Ashley and her family, everybody for the most part, they like a lot of seasoning on a lot of things. Wait, let me um, let me stop you there. Let me just stop you there real quick to tell you all how plain Justin is. I asked him at this burger place we went to. I was like, man, have you tried uh, have you tried any of those wraps? They had like chicken buffalo chicken wraps and all kinds of different types of wraps. He's like, no, I just get a burger every time. I'm like, but you, yeah. you live right here, like. You, why don't you try something else? He's like, because I don't want to wait in line again if uh, I don't like it. So I thought that that'll give you an idea of how plain he is. So I I went ahead, we yeah. ate there the first day, and I got a burger per recommendation. And then the second time, I said, Justin, I'm gonna do something crazy, and I'm gonna get a wrap, and I'm gonna let you know how good it is. And and I got I got the fried mushrooms as well. So deep fried mushrooms, I think. The fried mushrooms are really good. The fried green beans are good. But back to the Justin not doing much with seasoning i have helped justin branch out a little bit on his seasonings so he's he's come a long way already but he's he's still got a little ways to go yeah i mean like venison i could throw it on the grill and eat it because i like that gamey taste i don't i grew up with it but i also grew up with my parents seasoning it and like some dales for like 20 minutes or something, some dales marinade or something for like 20 minutes, and then and then still putting like a little bit of garlic or Montreal or something to that effect on it, and then putting it on the grill. So I grew up with a lot of, not a lot of, but a fair amount of seasoning on all my wild game. So when Justin puts it on the grill with an absolutely minimal to no seasoning, I don't care for it one bit. I'm not going to lie. I got she it. don't know what's good for. Oh, I don't know. I I gotta be honest. I'm more. Of a, I like the seasoning too. Uh, I don't know. Oh yeah, I'm I a had... sauce person. I'm a seasoning person. There it is, right there. All right, so I found that cherry rub I was talking about. So it's made by Cherry Republic, and you can order it online from their store. I think I found it on Amazon as well. 
one time, but it's called Cherry Barbecue Spice Rub. We did it on the hams one time when we did the open fire and roasted the hams. We have done it on the back traps that we put on the grill. But just like we had said earlier about when we season it, we just we do it just like you do a dry rug on, on like a slab of ribs or something to that effect. Like it has, we don't really marinate it for a long time on any of the seasonings we put on. We typically just do all of ours like a dry rub and then grill it or fry it after that. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's what I'm going to do then. Um, uh, and also, I don't know if you all have tried the seasoning. You might have. It's pretty popular. It's called Slap Your Mama. Oh, sorry. Her, her, her watch just started talking to us. <laughs> but uh, have you tried the Slap Your Mama seasoning? No, I've heard about it, but I haven't tried it yet. It's pretty good. I had, uh, there's these there's these guys, they have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Just Hunt Club, and they're awesome guys. We shared uh, turkey camp with them in Virginia this year. And they were they were they were cooking dinner every night, and they made some. I think it was uh, I think it was just deep fried uh, uh, turkey nuggets with the slap your mama seasoning. And the Cajun one. Yeah, I think it's Cajun. It's like. Uh, Is it spicy? Yes, got a kick to it. He won't eat it. Oh, okay. Well, he's the guy that orders uh, barbecue wings at the wing yep. place. There you go. A hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah. All right, we'll get you extra ranch too. Don't worry. Exactly. <laughs> Something similar to that slappy mama is we use a lot of that Tony Tony ch- chatteries yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of similar to that slappy mama if I remember correctly. Yeah, it is. I've had both. It is. It, if, that, if it is similar, then yes, I've had Tony chatteries plenty, and I do love it. Especially, we'll use it on our when we do a whole turkey and fry it at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's really good that way too. Good deal. Well, I mean, I've I've ran out of questions. So, uh, do you all have anything else you'd like to add um, at, relating to anything we talked about or something we missed? Not that I can think of. I mean, just get out in the woods. I mean, there ain't nothing better than that. Right, right, no doubt. And there's so many different ways to get out in the woods. This is my first time ever running hogs with them, and I had a blast. So, if you're listening to this. Uh, just go out and try something new. Heck, you might you might love it. I mean, I, before I already left, we were planning on coming back down and maybe me bringing a couple of my dogs this time, because uh, we had I had a, I had a blast with it, and it, and you know they've obviously had much better days hunting, but we still caught a few hogs and six of the seven were boar hogs, which I thought was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, well, if y'all don't have anything else, uh, I just want to thank you all for coming on. I know it's late. Normally, <laughs> heck, it's ten twenty seven. So I'm going to get off here and edit this podcast and get it up. But, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you all getting on here and talking, you know, explaining everything that you all have. No doubt. We enjoyed it. Yeah, we enjoyed you we guys. Hope, we hope we can help somebody else, you know, whether it be bolting in your dog box or, you know, trying, like you said, trying something new. Yep, good deal. All right, we appreciate you all for listening. And, uh, yeah, until the next one. All right, man.